are so many interesting, horrifying, or downright weird things in this big world of ours. Each week, we'll bring you a new true crime story that has little to no coverage in English. Let us do the translations, so you don't have to. I'm Petra. I'm Victoria. I'm Laura. And we're Translation Murder. So yeah, um, it is once again my my turn. So the fourth episode, we're going to be in Germany. And I didn't really give you that many clues, but I don't see how you could actually figure out what case this is. Um, and there's not a lot of info about this murder, actually. And I'll just kind of yeah get into it <laughs> immediately. So, so yeah, I may also have some cold cases around this area as well eventually, but I just kind of wanted to cover some unsolved cases because I feel like to have a stance of a podcast, um, it's the most like positive impact that a podcast could probably have when it's when it's in connection with murder because of course. You know, if it's unsolved, any news or any media about it can, I don't know, turn the tide and solve solve the case. So you never know. And that would be so cool. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. And I just kind of feel like since, you know, our podcast specifically is covering non-English news and coverage that it would be kind of even the coolest i'm just imagining like you know because of globalization who knows what kind of like butterfly effect this would have like i could just imagine a scenario maybe some person who lives in the states now and their parent or something lived in germany back in the 80s and you know i don't know just it could be completely cool and interesting to see like is there any effect on these cases being covered in english now so yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm going to first take you to München Gladbach. Uh, it's a city in West Germany. So it's to the west of Düsseldorf and the east of the Netherlands. And previously München Gladbach uh, used to be called the Rheinisches Manchester. <laughs> so this was because of the textile industry um, that was heavily prevalent in the area, but it began to decline in the 1970s. So basically, it's the Tampere of Germany. <laughs> <laughs> yes, basically, yeah. So, uh, and if you don't understand German, it would be like the the Manchester or like Rhine's Manchester or something like that. So, and the Rhine, of course, is a is a river in Germany. So that like kind of region. So, yeah. Um, so heavily textile uh, dependent. And so I don't know if this has anything to do with like the general crime rate of Mönchengladbach uh, in the late 1980s, because it was already in decline in the 1970s. But in one article, the whole left in the textile industry, they said that it can still be felt today. So I felt that that was kind of interesting, like this kind of decline since the 1970s. And of course, with, you know, decline in industry, you know, there's more crime, etc. So I don't know if that kind of lays the groundwork for some of the crime that's committed nowadays and like the, I don't know, family lives that kind of breed killers or something like that. So that's just kind of an important thing that I found about uh, Gladbach. So, yeah, I think it makes sense because like poverty and kind of hopelessness, it can lead to crime. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I don't have, uh, <laughs> I, like I've never been to Mönchengladbach, but um, uh, I just kind of wanted to like, yeah, just tell you like a little bit about the area and uh yeah so the victim in this case was a student who lived in Reit um which is a borough in Mönchengladbach and it used to be its own city until 1974 and 
uh, I have population statistics about that before it became like kind of contained within Mönchengladbach. And as of the 31st of December 1974, it had a population of 99,963 people. So that could be like a rough ballpark estimate of the time of the murder in the late 1980s. So maybe around 100,000 people is what I'm guessing, because according to Google, um, yeah, like even though there's like the decline, there's still it's close enough to like Dusseldorf that people could live there and just commute or whatever. So, yeah. <clears throat> kind of a bitch town. Yeah, yeah. And um, according to Google, Mönchengladbach is the only city in Germany to have two stations called the Hauptbahnhof uh, or the central station because it used to be right. And then it was, then Mönchengladbach had its own uh, train station. So they both had like a central station. So when you say like Hauptbahnhof, is it the right or the Mönchengladbach uh, central station? So it's kind of interesting. They didn't um, add any extra to the name then. <laughs> no, yeah. And uh, I'm also thinking that, I mean, even that could like, that could also have a effect of the murder too. Like if you have two Hauptbahnhofs and a lot of train traffic or something, and then the general decline of Reit or Mönchengladbach or whatever, then yeah. So just... Lots of lots of things that could play into the murder and why it happened. And it was quite difficult to organize my thoughts about this because, yeah, while gathering the lay of the land, I was just thinking of all the ways uh, that this city could have easily been the place of the murder. I know that, for instance, a lot of terrain and whatnot could have changed within the last 34 years since the murder. But things tend to become, you know, less green as new construction is built. So while looking at Google Maps, like from today's, um, like from today or within the past, whatever, how many years that Google Earth or something took photos, there's a lot of fields and forests and parks. And coupled with like the seemingly downturn of the economy after the closing of the textile industry, it seems like there's a lot of ways that a murder, murder could have been hiding in these kind of like green areas. And um, like a little bit about my background, I used to study in Potsdam and like I used to live right, right next door to Park Sanssouci. Uh, and that was like a really nice place to like go running and stuff and like Germans really like trees and parks and whatnot. And I'm kind of one of these people who would always listen to music and go running alone kind of late in the evening. So this also kind of... Um, <laughs> was close to my heart in that regard because I okay I so could've... that that was a hint about the murder already yes yes just a little bit yeah so and I don't know like when I was looking at this uh this park that she used to go running at I'm like oh damn yeah that would have been <laughs> my park too or I would have easily been going running and jogging at this park so it's a bit uh a bit shitty yeah to think about that in your daily life like this i don't know just circumstances separate you from i don't know possibly being murdered or something so yeah um yeah so is there any questions so far or comments or anything about mention gladbach or right or anything not yet at this point i'm just okay. uh, i just have some like ideas about what might about the story might be i mean not the concrete case but the way mm. you introduced it like what the direction that it's going to but no questions so far yeah and i kind of um was thinking this kind of reminds me a little bit about your story actually victoria because the factory even though mm -hmm. it's still like a major factor for the industry in that area um there's a few key things that i was thinking about and kind of just thinking hmm this is a bit similar uh possibly mm -hmm. or motive or whatever of the murder but we don't know who the murderer is but i'm just yeah. yeah okay i'm curious to hear the details yeah um so let me take you back to december 20th 1989 and 
Beatrice Jackel is a 25-year-old student studying art history and also Slavic studies in Cologne. Uh, her favorite physical exercise was running, and she would either be doing that or walking in the expansive Breskis Park, uh, which was near her apartment. She would usually walk from her apartment to the Lefeldstrasse or the Keplerstrasse through the Breiskes Park along the nearest to the right castle and back again. So this is a path that she would walk often, uh, which, as we know, like people have routines, they follow them quite closely. And this just really got me thinking that if she would walk this path, like, always this is always the path that she would walk she'd always go running on this like from Lefeldstrasse to the Keplerstrasse and whatever that it's like I'm just thinking someone stalking and I don't know in the planning phase of the murder someone would know that she's probably going to go running in the evening on this route mm -hmm. so yeah yeah so basically if someone had spied on her it's pretty easy to figure out that, okay, this is what she does almost every day. Yeah, exactly. On the 20th of December, in the late afternoon, she goes for a run. Uh, her boyfriend is a dental technician, and she, she try, uh, he tries to reach her in the evening because I guess she was supposed to either meet up with him, and uh, she was also supposed to go bake Christmas cookies with a friend in the evening, but she didn't show up. Okay, and... so this is uh, in the late autumn? Or, uh, or already like December? Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. So like right before Christmas, so they're supposed to yeah, be baking Christmas cookies with the friend. And I mean, I guess she was pretty like trustworthy person. She, yeah, had a, you know, like typical student life. I mean, she was, what, 25 years old. She lived in an apartment and... She'd commute basically every day to Cologne or Köln, and um, yeah, she's going to bake Christmas cookies with her friends. And when she couldn't be reached the following evening, that's when a police report was filed. So I think it was the boyfriend who actually filed the police report. Um, and yeah, obviously people were worried because this was unlike her. And yeah, so this is kind of what we know as of the the 21st of December. So on December 22nd, a search party of about 30 police officers, uh, sentin dogs and a helicopter searched the Breskis Park area. And sadly, around 11 a.m., the body of Beatrice was found hidden under branches and leaves in a foresty part of the park, about 20 meters from the scene of the murder. So <clears throat> the police determined that the perpetrator was waiting behind a tree on a connecting path between Nies and Stockholdweg, and she was most likely attacked from behind, dragged into the forest, severely abused, though they do say that not sexually, even though she was found without shoes. And I'm just thinking, like, okay, maybe the shoes part, like, if you can imagine... Uh, the scene, like someone hits you from behind, grabs you, maybe puts their hand over your mouth, and then they're like trying to drag you, and then your shoes kind of get lost because they're getting like dragged, and your heels are kind of getting dragged behind you, right? Yeah, and you might so, be like trying to kick, I mean, you know. Move. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And yeah. also, even if there are no clear signs of sexual motivation, it can still be a sexually motivated crime. Yeah, it could right. be afterwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True. That is a very, 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 very good point. Um, yeah. So so based on what you just said, it doesn't, like right away, to me, it doesn't seem like it was very well planned because her body was found so close to the murder scene. Like she was not like transported away from the scene or hidden too well even because they find, found her the day after. Mm. Yeah. That's also a good point. I'm just wondering if, like, I think, like, personally, I think this sounds planned, but not planned well enough. Like, I don't know, like, 
me just talking out loud and kind of thinking, okay, the motives of of murder, I would just think that this person, this perpetrator, obviously had seen her before. Like, I don't know, she was, everybody always described her as very beautiful. And you see these photos and she had, you know, this nice curly hair and she was very attractive and whatnot. And she just seemed like, yeah, like very kind of 80s 80s chick but like in a nice kind of way and I don't know just attractive lady and then coupled with obviously she was smart she was going to uni and whatnot so I just think that somebody could easily become infatuated with her from afar mm-hmm. and but maybe the murder be- wasn't planned like it could be that there was an obsession mm-hmm. going on from the murderer's part but then, I don't know, should I even, I, maybe I should interact. You can just continue with the story. No, I mean, this is this is good, like, talk, because, I mean, this is going to be a bit of a shorter episode anyway, because there's really not that much details, because, um, yeah, there's yeah. It's still unsolved. There's only one person who they think could it have been, so it's very, yeah, this is a very short episode. It's probably okay. going to be only like 30 minutes or something. So I think speculation and storytelling and whatnot can be completely uh, used in this in this uh, episode for sure. But so yeah, yeah. Think... yeah, sorry. No, you go. Yeah. Uh, basically, this, the options are that there is someone who got fixated on her and maybe spied and found her routines and was waiting for her or that it was rather a random person who was just waiting for someone at that time. I mean, yeah. like, based on the story this far, both could could be true. Yeah, I guess it could be both. But the yeah. fact that she is always taking the same route, always, uh, every day, right? Was it every day? Yeah, that, that really <clears throat> stood out to me, at least. Mm-hmm. And when I was reading some forums as well, like, I don't know, like, I... <clears throat> Sorry. Uh... Like, uh, when I was going through this and whatnot, and I was, like, reading some articles about it, and then I went to the forums and whatnot to kind of understand the <laughs> what other people were thinking, uh, everyone was kind of along exactly the same lines as I was thinking that, okay, she had developed routine and whatnot, and that just... If you go running every single day, at least try to kind of... <laughs> vary the route or something if possible like i don't know maybe i'm just a weird murder obsessed person where like i'm always thinking of these things like i always try to uh run either like i never run the same route every time Mm -hmm. like it's either every other or like i completely yeah i (laughs) i go in random directions and stuff and i'm always telling someone where i'm running (laughs) so that's uh, probably a good idea Yeah, and like where I live, there's not a lot of uh, footpaths, so it's quite um, like there's a lot of gravel roads, so there's not a lot of shoulder. So if something did happen, like let's say I just rolled my ankle or something and I fell in a ditch, like it's a bit uh, a bit shitty. So even just not for like murderers, but just, you know, safety and whatnot. So yeah, yeah. But yeah, I think that. In my mind, if you're going to go every single day, she's attractive, whatever, I think that this easily could have been someone who, yeah, was obsessed with her and, yeah, maybe not had planned the murder, but wanted something to do with her as, like, either just a relationship or just to get to know her and maybe freaked her out or I don't know. But then the hitting her from behind is a bit weird to me. Yeah, yeah, totally. Because, like, it either could have been that the interaction happened and they don't say what she was hit with, but I'm guessing it was something from from nature, um, just based off of, like, the murder weapon. Um, Because the hit to the head didn't kill her. But I'm just thinking that, okay, if the person didn't really plan this at all and she was, you know, hit with a, a branch or something then it also kind of goes to the fact that maybe he didn't, yeah, indeed plan this, but more like wanted to interact with her. Maybe she turned away and that's when he hit her. Who knows? Um, Is it, I mean, I guess the police has done their investigations, but I was just thinking that, is it 
sure that there was someone waiting for her there. I was just starting to think that maybe someone kind of, you know, joined her company like, hi, because I've I've experienced this when I'm walking in a park and mm. like someone just comes like and starts talking, usually a guy, you know, and, and then you're just all. like, <laughs> you, luckily in my case, it has been daytime, lots of people who so are more like, okay, bye, I'm just walking, go away, please. But, you know, if that has happened, that they weren't waiting, they just came to socialize, mm. like, hello, can I join you? How are you? Do you often run here? And then when they have, like, the girl has been like, oh, creepy, okay, bye, please don't follow me. Then they got angry and hit or something. Yeah, I think that's kind of a very valid thing. And that's kind of what I was, like, in a less eloquent way than you <laughs> was trying to put, like... Maybe the interaction didn't go as the the person had planned. Maybe yeah. she was like, hey, I'm going for my run. Like, I need to, like, buy. And then they got angry. Who knows? Like, but I'm just thinking, yeah, there was some obsession. I, I'm like, I don't Yeah, that like... would be the obvious uh, or one of the obvious explanations, I think. Yeah. I don't want to, like, speculate too much, but I'm just like, ah, it feels it feels too, like, personal that, especially since she had this fucking, like, pattern of when she would go running, like, maybe not at the same time every day, but always the same path, and yeah, it just, yeah, a bit shitty, and the lack of pre-planning for the weapon obviously wasn't planning on killing her, but just, uh, yeah. So let me go on. <laughs> yep. Maybe enough speculation for now. Um, yeah, so she was found 20 meters from the scene of the murder. The police determined that the perpetrator was waiting behind a tree on a connecting path, like I said. And she was most likely attacked from behind, dragged into the forest, severely abused, like I said, not sexually. And though she was found without shoes and uh, she was strangled to death, with a jacket cord it was um assuming to be the perpetrator's jacket cord because there was not one missing from her jacket so the time of death was narrowed down to about 5 30 to 6 p.m in the evening and just going back to the the murder weapon so she was strangled to death with a jacket cord that obviously wasn't missing from her own it was like a blue jacket cord kind of it was improvised right like i'm just thinking like also pulling it from your jacket might also sometimes be difficult too because there's usually knots on a jacket cord and whatnot so i'm just thinking could it have been a little bit pre-planned slightly yeah or maybe to the but uh, I don't, yeah go hmm. ahead sorry yeah no i'm just thinking like maybe you know like let's say there's someone obsessed with her like watching her every day running there and then one day or one night like suddenly this person decides that okay i don't know maybe i want to talk to her maybe something triggers mm -hmm. this um attack on that specific day so yeah. and then from that part or from that point on it becomes planned because then maybe the person takes out their own uh, jacket cord and then approaches her, right? But then yeah. maybe like coming into the scene, it wasn't like planned to to be taken to be happening in that specific day, right? Yeah. Like, does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Like, there has to be a little bit of pre-planning with the cord because I'm just thinking how most jackets work. There either is some type of piece on the end that doesn't allow it to kind of, you know, go through the jacket, like when you wash it or something to fall out, or there's like some type of knot or something, right? And uh, I have to Google now what is a jacket cord because you know, like the cords, like for instance, for your hood or something, for like a yeah, jacket, like a you, like pull to make them a bit scrunched or like tighter. Uh, that like can have not knots or like some kind of plastic, yeah, exactly, ends and yeah yeah and if well, i mean sometimes there isn't i don't know but yeah mostly yeah sure but mostly there is because like there's just this stupid design otherwise you're gonna be fishing for your cord all the time anyway but yeah so i just feel like yeah. there's okay. 
a bit of impro improvisation, but at the same time, just a tad of pre-planning. And of course, once again, this is just me like purely speculation. Yeah, but, of course. But yeah. I mean, this would be, um, this would kind of make sense also with the fact that the body wasn't like super well covered, right? Yeah. Because then they found her so easily. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I would say that the jacket cord can mean either. It could also be that it has, because they also sometimes, when you have used it along, they just fall, like, you know, the knot is opened accidentally and so on. Mm -hmm. And if they fall off, at least I have often just put them to my pocket. So I have been walking with a sure. jacket cord in my pocket for a couple of months before I actually <laughs> start to do something about it. So it could True. be also just a random item that he had on hand. It's mm -hmm. definitely something that, that it's, you know, he had on hand and it was easy to use. So in that sense, I don't think it was necessarily like so much pre-planned that, you know, like you would take like a, I don't know, a gun or a knife or something with mm -hmm. you. From or even just like beating her to death and that goes back to the point of like why didn't they why didn't he and i'm assuming this is a male obviously because well well yeah it's i'm just likely. assuming it's a male i mean the statistics Most, yeah. Yeah, 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 are... yeah and yeah exactly but yeah. why didn't they use their hands why didn't they use a branch or a rock from the forest like there are so many other things that they could have used and yeah, it just seems a bit weird. Like if I'm in the, <laughs> I'm just like trying to put myself in the, in the murderer's shoes. Like you're, if you hadn't been planning this and then you're suddenly freaking out, like, okay, you hit her on the back of the head. Oh shit. Oh shit. Oh shit. I would have probably just been using that thing that I had initially hit her with on the back of the head, you know, to like make her go unconscious or kill her or something, you know? But and... I have a feeling that it, like if it's that kind of what would you call like panic murdering mm -hmm. like just oh things go shit i well i'll just hit her then like you don't think clearly maybe so they maybe mm -hmm. just threw away the first thing they were using and then are like thinking oh what next what next mm, yeah yeah so okay that's i guess enough of the murder weapon so a jacket cord was used to strangle her and that's how she died um the police received more than 280 tips, and the real frustrating part is that other joggers and passerbys apparently had heard a scream from a woman, and this could have easily been Beatrice uh, calling for help. So, once again, this kind of issue of like, oh shit, don't want to... I don't want to get involved in that, of course, like if everyone's like really like Hilfa, like or help or something like that, or this type of thing. I just I I don't know, maybe I'm in like looking to die or something, but I would at least go and try to investigate a little bit, especially if I had another person with me, maybe like just kind of see, listen, watch for any, yeah. any suspicious behavior, you know. But this is also a very common uh, phenomenon, like mm. in these kind of cases, that kind of everyone thinks that someone else will solve the situation or someone else will ask for help. It doesn't have to be them. Yeah. And I heard like one, one technique for this is to, instead of yell like help, yell fire. Yeah, I heard that too. I don't know if it's true, actually. I've always yeah. wondered, like, is this based on what? Yeah. And if you're I'm in also... a park. Very yeah, and then I would be like, oh shit, okay. But then if, you, if you're yelling for fire, I'd be like, oh shit, yeah, try to put it out or something at least. So it's like a little bit less dangerous than the unknown, you know, of what does help mean. <laughs> so, yeah. But yeah, interesting nonetheless. But I'll try to remember that if I ever get attacked to scream fire instead of help. But And I, yeah. I feel also that like... You know, kids, when they play together, you know, these teenagers or they, they take each other's hats and then the other screams like, help, you know, I don't know. You, I see this a lot in park, just like calling for help in the context of messing around, just playing. And it's very mm -hmm. hard to 
I mean, people always want to think that the worst isn't happening. So you're just joking and you're like, oh, kids playing, ha ha, not my problem. So I don't know, like screaming something more concrete might also help if someone is willing to help yeah. you. Yeah, that's totally, yeah. But I don't know, usually when a kid is screaming, I'm, I usually always have to at least check just for my own sanity or something. Yeah. Like, okay, yeah. is there anything actually happening? Does it all seem okay? Okay, then it is. Then I'll just, okay, ignore them. And I mean, it might not be a murder. It might be just them bullying each other. But as an adult, yeah. it's still nice to maybe say that, please stop. That doesn't look nice. Yeah. Or like if one is actually like hurt a little bit, like for instance, yeah. this apartment building I used to live at and there was this like swing set and uh, the girl, there's one girl a bit younger, maybe like with her brother, I was guessing. And then some of friends around his age. So like a couple of years older. And then she got hurt on the swing and she started crying and I was just like making sure, okay, she's not crying because they're hurting her, but she just was crying because of the situation or something like getting hurt on the swing, not because anybody was technically hurting her, but mm -mm. you still kind of have to <laughs> like judge the situation, but yeah. it's still a bit shitty that, yeah, nobody, nobody really did anything in this in yeah. this regard like so. there were like no one called the police or there were no reports about it because mm. like, i would in a way like you know understand that you wouldn't maybe go yourself to investigate right and mm. that's not always smart anyways to do that yeah exactly but, yeah but then i don't know i mean there are witnesses the and we'll get into that as well mm -hmm. <laughs> so okay um witnesses reported that they had observed a suspicious man who came out of the Breskis Park uh, with heavily soiled clothing. And for there was like a witness photo drawn up of the person. And one person came forward in mid-January, so after December, the murder, you know, took place and saying that they recognized the man from the drawing. And so this man was an unemployed cook's assistant and all we have is his uh, name like Holger P. Um, P. And he actually made a confession during his interrogation and he apparently knew things only Beatrice Jakel's murder would know. But all we know that from that, that of course there's like often cases of leading in interrogation and police and whatnot so who knows if this is a case like that i don't think we have any transcripts or obviously like videos no not in late 80s about any of this so who knows it could be easily this guy and going with the witness drawn photo of course like witness testimony isn't that <laughs> isn't that foolproof and then of course an interrogation uh, confession made underneath that is also not foolproof so who who the fuck knows if this guy actually yeah. did it um and yeah whenever someone says only new things Beatrice Jakel or like the murderer would know I'm always a bit questioning that like um, uh like what what things did that's they? the thing they wouldn't <laughs> say because they don't want to share that information in case like an actual person would of come course. forward after that so yeah I think that's the normal procedure with this yeah um so basically the police were okay we we caught our man and whatnot but a year later the case was still unsolved because Holger uh basically had conf yeah recanted his confession and there was a lack of evidence. So it was all just circumstantial at that point. And the police are never really fully convinced of his innocence. And in the present day, he's free and lives near Bonn. So, yeah, that's kind of it. And that's all you get okay. from Holger. Oh, no. Okay. Yeah. Um, there was no DNA test? Yeah. Like Nothing so, found from the scene. I mean, if it was his jacket cord, like that kind of mm -hmm. evidence, there was yeah. none. So we'll get to that too. <laughs> <There's>, <laughs> I have two more paragraphs, but uh, yeah, so not that much more information. So, like I said, short episode. But um, I also yeah. have more questions, but maybe you'll answer them in the next two paragraphs. Mm, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and maybe they're not like proper paragraphs. So I don't know if there's like five sentences per paragraph, but okay. <laughs> So 20 years later, after the murder, so now put yourself in 2009, and the TV show 
acht in Zeichen XY ungelost. So uh, case number XY unsolved. It was basically a TV series that was uh, adapted uh, even by the BBC known as Crime Watch, and it's basically equivalent to America's Most Wanted. And they decided to cover this case. So they were like, oh, this is great, because apparently, according to Wikipedia, this, this, uh, Eichen X, X, yeah, sorry, um, they apparently solve about 40% of the show's cases that are covered on this wow. show. Which is which is pretty good, yeah. That's yeah, very good. Yeah. So yeah, the investigators were like, "Fuck yeah, this is great. This could lead to new clues, leads in the cases, especially the woman who had apparently heard the woman scream at the time of the crime." So there apparently was like this other woman who was walking with her seven-year-old daughter around Breskis Park and. She told a passerby what uh, what she had heard, that this woman had heard screams and the daughter and her had not come forward in the investigation, though. So basically, it was kind of like the, oh yeah, I heard from this woman who I was passing by in the park around that time on this night that she said that they had heard kind of <laughs> this thing, but this woman had just never come forward in the investigation. Who knows why? But I'm just curious, like, if there ever is this seven-year-old, so basically seven-year-old in uh, 80, 89, so she would have been born in 82, so she's like 41-ish years old. So if there's like a 41-year-old woman who remembers walking in Breskis Park with her mother and hearing something, like, hell, that could even be information that the that the cops could use who knows one promising thing that there was mixed traces of dna evidence found on the cord from the crime scene so that was left behind and of course the dna technology wasn't good enough back in 89 to reveal anything meaningful but they're hoping that like technology today could be good enough like to maybe use like a skin sample dna test or something like that but then the question is, let's let's assume that this Holger P was indeed the killer. He can't be tried for the same case again because he was already tried for it, right? So, for instance, uh, a retrial based on new material evidence is only yeah. possible in favor of the accused, not to the detriment of the accused. So Boy, let's say that, that yeah. So basically, and there's some, like, yeah, some information that I found about that, um, some clauses and laws and whatever, whatever, whatever. But yeah, so basically, as far as I understood it, that, yeah, so if there's a new case, it can't be, he can't be tried because it would be like, yeah, this guy is guilty, whatnot. Uh, but then if it would... Yeah, so it's it's only meant for, like, these wrongful conviction cases. The DNA would free the person instead of convicting them. But what, like, in Germany? Yeah, so it's kind of the same thing, like, we have double jeopardy in the States, so you're mm -hmm. not allowed to be tried for the same case. And, yeah, they have the same, they have the same instance, which is kind of, like, for for the most part, it's a it's a good law, because, of course, you don't want to be, what is that one case in Italy, the... The chick who was studying abroad. Why am I running a blank on it? But in Italy, I guess the you can try someone, I guess, almost as many times as you want. There's not such a thing as double double jeopardy, as far as I understood it. And so it's a bit shitty because then you could be persecuted for the rest of your life if you're not completely uh, freed of the crime or been like, okay, yeah, this person is absolved of everything they didn't do it whatever whatever um so you can just be called in time after time after time which is mm -hmm. a bit of a pain <laughs> so i mean it's a good thing that it exists but it's also a bad thing that it exists because but is there no way to work around this like is it not even possible if there's i don't know some 
I don't know, some new evidence, but I don't mean just like any type of evidence, but just some, I don't know. So there's no way this could happen. No, no I guess not. Yeah. Because, Which... I mean, like, I, I don't know about the Finnish law, but like, I think the Boudum Lake murders, there was a couple of trials because they found some other evidence. And mm. I, like, I guess maybe we are the same as Italy then. Mm. Yeah, but I'm that's very interesting, very interesting, like, it that is, it's yeah. such, that's, like, strict. Okay. Would it be possible to do it so that, like, okay, like, he cannot be tried for the murder, but he could be tried for something else, like sexual assault, if they find yeah, some sort I of mean, evidence? Yeah, I mean, yeah, like, technically, yes. But then, of course, it's a lesser sentence. That's yeah. usually what they do in the States. They try to get one charge, and then they uh find something else like oh yeah this person uh yeah also abducted them so they have like abduction or disposing of a body or whatever the mm -hmm. hell it is mm -hmm. like yeah these types of things so technically they could still get um some charges but it won't be i guess murder charges as far as i understood so yeah <clears throat> but of course if i'm completely wrong in this you can yell at me <laughs> but like i think that's how it how it indeed goes um yeah so this also kind of brings some interesting like ethics questions into play because of course if let's say this holger p guy like the the dna indeed proves that he was the killer or at least you know they're holding the cord that is the murder weapon uh yeah how is it to know that a killer is just like walking around and how does that kind of affect their life and the people around them? I mean, it's kind of an interesting thing to think about. Like if you know this person obviously killed someone and they're out, like in the States, this doesn't really happen that often, but in countries here like Finland and I guess maybe some other EU countries where the the rates of sentencing or like the years of sentencing aren't that expansive so it's not like you're going to be in there for life sentence it'll be like 12 years you're eventually going to get out so there are killers walking among us but at what point like is their privacy and stuff important it's kind of interesting to think about mm -hmm. yeah but i think it's a bit different case if the killer has still suffered their, you know, what's the word? Punishment. <laughs> they have been punished by the law of the country. Mm. And after that, they're working among us. Then we can also kind of expect that, okay, they have been punished and they have also kind of learned their lesson so they won't kill again. That's mm -hmm. at least the idea, I guess. But it's yeah. completely different when they have committed a murder and got no punishment from it then like justice didn't happen and you still like you feel that okay what prevents them from murdering again nobody ever said them actually that no you did wrong hmm. yeah and i guess like in finland at least but yeah also Maybe like in the Nordic countries in general, there's a bit more of an emphasis on rehabilitation. Of course, I don't think it yes. can always be successful. Mm -hmm. But I would also hope that, you know, if someone is sentenced uh, to life, but then, yeah, we know that often they get out like after 12 years or something, but there's like an evaluation after that first 12 years or first however many years. And I would hope that, you know, they could determine it if if it's, like, not safe to let this person go. Then that's just a kind of a point of uh, evaluation and they can still be kept in prison for longer. Yeah, I think yeah. they can. Yeah. Like, but also we know that... I, yeah, I don't know. Like, of course, we know that... Um, I think we talked about it in the first episode that... Laura, you said that maybe the longest prison sentence in, in fin was it in Finland? It was like mm. 28 years? Yeah, something 20-something years, yeah. Yeah. 
so yeah i don't know how often it happens but that they actually don't yeah it's not yeah. an easy question yeah it really isn't and of course like person's life is lost and she seemed very um i know seemed in the prime of her life and whatnot yeah and of course it could have even been the boyfriend who knows but i yeah it. i don't know <laughs> Like... on the other hand like this doesn't sound like if it was really uh this guy or like a stalker mm -hmm. type of situation like not a close uh you know like not a boyfriend or not someone who she knows very well like it doesn't sound like something that this person would do only once mm, yeah that's true if they got away with it so if it was this guy like I don't know what what was he doing after this case like what kind of like I don't know how, yeah, how what of, about his life now like what is he doing Yeah I mean I've kind of uh now I might stay in Germany for a while for the for the episodes I'm going to do because there's some other missing cases of women in kind of I guess this area um also around the 80s and mm -hmm. whatnot so I'm kind of curious if there's any any connections between them there might not be i haven't done enough research but i'm just kind of i'm kind of on the unsolved murder kick i guess yeah because yeah there was like an article i i found that it was like 10 women missing blah 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 blah. so i was oh what's this and happened to be one of the people was the beatrice Jakel. so i'm just thinking that yeah, could be. So this is a bit like the old case we had from Hungary. Mm, so it yeah. takes. I mean, if the right person is not caught, it means that people are in constant danger. Mm, yeah, and I mean, like back in the eighties, like how it was maybe. I just feel like it's so much easier for people to move around and strike up at a new city or something and like because there's less paperwork following you around like oh now you're set up in this in this you know part of the country or you can move to a different country completely and just yeah it's just kind of interesting to see indeed if there's any connections between some german cases or technically european cases or whatnot but it's just interesting also that i mean it kind of is a bad thing that there wasn't such a like a very unique mo in this case because strangulation mm -hmm. whatnot or maybe it is a unique mo we just need to look at if anybody is strangling with a jacket cord or some type of cord more or something but yeah yeah but do we know if there was any sort of connection between the victim and this uh, guy? What, what was his name again? Helge or Holger? Or Holger, yeah. Holger. Holger yeah. and then P, that's all we have. So that's like, I guess, very common to not give out the full name. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because they want to have some. Makes yeah. sense. Yeah. And especially because he was blamed innocent in the end. Yeah. Yeah, but did they like know each other? Did they, I don't know, have any I couldn't like find any information and it was quite difficult. Like I was trying googling like okay, like yeah, I'm trying to google about this person and connections between the case and whatnot, but I couldn't really find anything. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's just because my German sucks or something, but yeah, I tried searching for something because I was also wondering like is there some actual connection between this guy or did he, I don't know, live along her route or something? Yeah, or... yeah, yeah. Like not necessarily personal like connection, but something like that. That they, yeah. I don't know, he saw her regularly because he was yeah. also, I don't know, living in the area or doing stuff in that area around yeah, the same I would, time. I would love to talk to a police officer and just like kind of ask some questions like what did they cover? Of course, they're more skilled than any of us, obviously, because they do this for a profession. But I don't know, it's just kind of curious to think about the the investigation and the crime investigation along with this and yeah in these cases where something gets solved it just takes one person to kind of think outside the box or hey did you think of this particular thing or whatnot and it could be solved who knows
Yeah. Yeah. But um, I'll just put like one more last note in here that uh, <laughs> there was some, you can call the, the police at 0216290, or I'm sure you could find the email address for the Mönchengladbach uh, police department with any information. And there's still a reward totaling 7,500 euros for any information being offered leading to the solving of the crime. So it's still up for solving if anybody has any clues or hints and stuff. And I mean, I like if they have DNA, I'm just waiting for that to happen, but there just hasn't been anything done since then, like with the DNA. So I just... Mm -hmm. But do we know like totally... they, they still have DNA? Like they have uh, like saved some of the... Yeah, example. yeah. Yeah, okay. I guess so. So I just feel like it's totally solvable, but then are they, I just want to know what the fuck is going on with the case and mm -hmm. yeah. But, I mean, this is, I'm still so confused. Like why can't they just go, like if they couldn't take a good DNA sample back into 80s from the Holger guy, why can't they just, you know, go to his place now and take a DNA and compare it? Then, I mean, if they can still make a trial out of it, that's that's a separate problem, I would say. Mm. Like uh, yeah. somehow it feels weird that that would stop the investigation. Yeah, I mean, it seems like to me that there's there. I don't like to me. This is also kind of the frustrating part of this case that I felt like there's information. There's a guy that they probably thought di that did it. Um, like, I would just start pulling records from all the people who lived and worked on the route to the park and see, hey, if there's anybody who is a convicted sexual predator or something even after the 80s or whatnot, and then take some, take the DNA and see if they're comparison to the, like, just, there's so many things that you could possibly do, but I just don't know what has been done. And that's the frustrating yeah. part, that there's not that inf that information out there. And yeah, I I don't think I would have the balls to <laughs> to ask or like contact the Mönchengladbach police department and like, hey, so what has done been done with this murder? We're gonna solve this shit, you know, like. So yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't do that. But I think uh, like very often this is like something that helps eventually to solve these kind of cases, like public pressure and people mm -hmm. asking about it. Yeah. So I just, I hope that like, maybe even if someone would randomly listen to this podcast, because there really isn't that much information about this case. There was like a Rheinisches Post uh, article that I had to pay for to get information about this. And yeah, there's really not that much information out there. And I guess this would also be a good time to maybe mention my sources. So uh yeah, like I used Rheinisch's post, and then there was also a, like, I got information from the Rheinisch's Manchester <laughs> article, like, and allmystery.de, which is a forum. And then there was also one YouTube channel, this Mysteriosa Todesfälle und Vermistefälle. Uh, so there's like this uh, YouTube channel, and he also covers and has a nice voice and everything, uh, these cases and stuff. So yeah, public pressure. So if anybody's living in Mönchengladbach or something, just ask, why the fuck hasn't this been solved yet? If you apparently have DNA and whatnot. Yeah. Frustrating. It is. Yeah. Especially because this is something that happened like in a public place where there were mm -hmm. other people around. Yeah. And now that, and even when Petra said, like, this could have been something that, you know, continued on, like, this person, or was it you, but uh, Victoria, like, this probably wasn't their only, their only case, like, I'm just really curious now to see if there was any other. I think, yeah, I think that's, like, that's pretty likely, or something yeah. happened before this. Mm. Yeah. Like, there are sometimes these cases when someone, like, you know, a murderer is is convicted but all of their murder is not known so mm -hmm. there is a possibility that it is someone who got caught but 
they just never told that they were behind this, but I don't know. I mean, that's just a random. Yeah, or even like some previous sexual assaults that people weren't really talking about in the 80s that much. And yeah, yeah. then it just went too far this one time and he murdered her or who knows. I think that's kind of all I have. <laughs> and all. Yeah, I guess yeah. if there are any updates in the future, we can, yeah. Yeah, we can come definitely. back to this case. Hopefully there will be. Yeah. yeah, and of course, if there's anybody who in our audience, I'm assuming that we have an audience, which is kind of <laughs> very narcissistic of me, I guess. But like, um, yeah, if there's anybody in the audience that I don't know has some connections with this, or had some family living in this time and remembers the murder, or who the fuck knows? I mean, this is just interesting. Like, and just connecting all of these pieces, it could solve something in the future, and that's. That'd be great, but it's like, I don't know, I just feel bad for Beatrice and her family and whatnot. So, yeah. Yeah. But I don't know if this is random addition here, but I was still thinking about the DNA. <laughs> mm. Because there has lately, I've read these articles about like using DNA as a proof, which is also problematic. Because basically, you go out and you just sparkle your DNA all over. So, I think there was this case in Finland where it was just a kiosk robbery. But then mm. this guy who had nothing to do with it got arrested because of the DNA. And apparently he had just touched the same, you know, uh, handrail in the escalator or something like that so so he had the his dna was on the robber's gloves or something really random like that so in a way mm -hmm. just by the dna match you still can't prove that someone is a murderer i don't know i mean that yeah. you need other stuff too so who knows if they even checked it but they are still like oh what can we do yeah, I mean, I think uh, depending on when that DNA uh, case happened, like I'm guessing there's also like certain amount of hits and like how much uh, DNA is mixed with other DNA and mm -hmm. whatnot too. And if it's like mixed with the victim's DNA or something like that, yeah. like I think in some yeah. cases it can be like kind of obvious that this is the only way it could have gotten there. Yeah, exactly. So it's yeah. not like transfer DNA. It's more of like a... a yeah, so in that regard, I would think that with this cord, that most likely the killer's DNA is definitely going to be on it, especially if you're holding, like, maybe even sweat and skin and, like, multiple forms of DNA will be on it because you're holding a cord against someone's neck, they're struggling against you. That yeah. takes a lot of force. And there's going to be lots of hits for DNA, or at least a lot of skin skin DNA from that. So Yeah, that's true. So it's not as random as just accidentally touching where no. yeah. someone has touched. But I think, yeah, this is all I have for today. I guess it's com comparatively uh, a bit of a shorter episode than than your two episodes. So yeah. but longer than my first. <laughs> Yeah, I think next week I might also have a like a bit of a shorter episode because I so far I haven't found a ton of information about it. So let's let's see. It might be similar, like not similar in terms of like what the case is about, but at mm. least the amount of resources that I could or details I could find so far. Okay. Yeah, and it's still going to be in Hungary, right? It's going to be in Hungary, and. Um, I think I could only give like very obvious uh, hints, so maybe I'm not going to say anything other than it's from the 18th century, so it's a pretty oh, old wow. one. And it's not like a conventional, like, I don't know how to put this. It's not really, a, well, there's murder, but it's not like a typical murder case. Okay. You'll see, <laughs> you'll see. Because I was thinking, is it from the book that you still have? or No, it's it's okay. not, it's not. I uh, think I'm... So I do need to learn Hungarian then. <laughs> I will, yeah, I just, I don't know. There are a lot of good cases there and I'm sure I will bring some from the same book or, yeah, uh, similar ones. But, uh, yeah, I wanted to, like, change it up a bit. So not this time. 
do you have any any hints from yours, Petra? Have you decided on where you're going? I haven't decided yet. Oh, but you I'm have multiple of... options. Japan, yeah, Finland. Most likely it will be Japan. Oh, yeah. better now. But I have to pick the best one. Yeah, well, I think I'll stay in Germany for a little bit and then maybe move on to, I don't know. Let, let's see where I move on to. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately we have uh, plenty of options from all countries. Yeah. 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 True. But I think I'm going to stick for unsolved mysteries for at least unsolved murders for at least a bit. So, yeah. Papa. Um, yeah. So I guess that's it. Unless anybody has anything else to say. Um, I guess you can email us for suggestions or comments and hopefully not any dick pics as Petra <laughs> likes to. Yeah. Not yeah. Those. No dick pics. No dick pics. Um, yeah, so you can message us at translationmurderpodcast at gmail.com and there's no spaces with that. And you can also follow us on Instagram at translationmurderpodcast. So yeah, find us, follow us, like the podcast, share it with your friends. See you next week. Yeah, see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Thank you.